Hey guys, welcome to today's Life Coach Podcast. I am here with a little tiny change in how we're doing things. Um, we, I have been doing this as a live show with guests, but that's not going to happen any longer. There were security issues and it was adding to the complexity. And so we'll move ahead with the podcast now. Stay, I'll have guests that just want to have a live audience. And I will always have Motivation Monday where I try to share something that I think is important that I've learned as a coach, learned as a marketer learned as a parent, whatever that might be, and as a business owner, there is a lot of information rolling around in this head, so I look forward to sharing that with you moving forward. But first, I'm gonna have us check in with the Chirpensteins. If you have been following this feathery drama, the birds are now at day 13, they're gonna fledge anytime now. They're starting to exercise their wings and flap them up there. And what's so funny to me is they fight and squabble with one another all day long, but the minute I get on my ladder to take a picture, they hunker. And so that's five of them all hunkering there. And you can see the five here. So five little guys hunkering, not knowing whether to trust me or not. Of course, they can't trust me. I'm taking their photograph, but I'm posting it on social media. But um, it's been everything to me to have these guys keeping me company during the shelter in place. They arrived on Earth Day, so we're at day 13 now, and they'll fledge anytime between 12 and 19 days. I think what might happen is some of the stronger ones who are not in the back who have gotten a lot of food versus those in the back, which feels like this inequity that I watch every day. I suspect the bigger birds will fledge first. So I'm waiting to see them hop out on the ledge and see if they get their, uh, their sea legs. Can birds have sea legs? Anyway, let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to Motivation Monday, where I try to bring you a slice of inspiration and something to help you have a more life satisfaction. That's really the goal of coaches to, to help you have more life satisfaction. It's certainly the goal of mine to share information that I think will help business and help us all um, move forward in this pandemic because this is a weird time. So today we're going to talk about emotional intelligence and I'm just going to dig in without a guest. I'm not going to do um, a much setup in terms of fun facts. I've layered some into the presentation today, but when we have guests, I will for sure keep some quick facts to help everybody understand the context for what my guests will be talking about. Today for emotional intelligence, I wanted to talk about this because I think it's so important as businesses are looking about reopening or as they're trying to figure out what am I now that it's the world is a little different with the pandemic and everything. One of the key success factors for anyone who is who people have noted are doing a good job is typically the differentiator is emotional intelligence. And mind you, I have worked for people who have had this and I have worked for people who have not. And it does make a difference. Emotional intelligence is essentially defined as the capacity to be aware of, so the first thing you have to be aware, control, then you have to know that you can manage it, and express one's emotions, and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. And that means treasure them and empathize, but you don't always have to jump in with somebody at the emotion that they're at. So let's learn some more about this because I found some great resources that help explain emotional intelligence in a bit more depth. First of all, there's some real, real value to paying attention to emotional intelligence. First of all, it can affect your performance at work or school. So you can see here, I found some great, a great resource on the help guide. And it was about improving your emotional intelligence. So you can always go look this up on your own. And there's definitely a lot more to the article. 
But the first thing that you will see is it can absolutely help your performance at school or work, which is why I wanted to talk about it because I think really improving the experience at work is going to be vital if brands are going to survive. And that's even the brand of your small salon or restaurant or Etsy shop or whatever that is, how you come across and your emotional intelligence can help you do better at what you're doing. So it comes, it can help you navigate the social complexities of a workplace. So let's get you're in a big workplace. It's really important to know the office gossip, how to play the politics, how to maneuver in that situation. Happening this awareness will really help you. Same if you're at school. I mean, it's, it's really the same. I always was convinced that school was there to just teach us how to get ready for bureaucracies and um, things that would drive you insane. So, and probably it's true because schools are huge bureaucracies typically and you cannot get stuff done there and you learn how to keep trying and keep happy and persevere and have resilience, all those things. Anyway, emotional intelligence matters if you want to improve your performance at school or work. It matters if you want to improve your physical health. And the reason why is that if you can manage your emotions and uh, I need to do one of these uh, Monday motivations on that the relationship between thoughts and feelings, but if you can manage these thoughts so that you don't have such severe feelings, that is huge and it can have a big impact on your health because it can help you manage stress. And we talked about how to rethink stress in one of the other podcasts, so go back and look, but that was a great podcast about stress. Really opened my eyes to the importance of um, how we decide to, to, to take on stress and how we decide to use it. So emotional intelligence can help you manage how much stress you have and how you're reacting to things. It can help with your mental health. All right, I know I have a photograph of a woman. It looks like maybe she just has um, calcium pills and Benadryl, but we all know that I think the Amer Americans are so medicated because our mental health is so stressed. We put so much on ourselves, so many expectations, so many um, situations. God, I hate to think of how many of us have been through trauma or have some sort of traumatic response to things. So the idea of emotional intelligence, again, jumps in the way of you always feeling and helps you manage how you're feeling so that it's not so intense. And it'll help you form stronger relationships and can help you feel like you're not alone. So these are, this is really important, the big value of emotional intelligence. It can improve your relationships because suddenly if you're responding to people appropriately, if you're hearing them, and my big thing, especially out of coming out of the work of advocacy with survivors, if you're seeing them and listening, it's everything. Being seen just imagine just your kids. They get so excited. Mom, 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 they want to tell you something. But if you just stop a minute and see them, that is gold. That is pure. What a gift. That's a huge gift. And I know we don't always have time for it, but it is a really big gift. So part of emotional intelligence is listening and seeing people, and it will absolutely improve your relationships. And then finally, it will improve your social intelligence. And I love this picture because the idea of someone knowing someone else needs some shade, just providing someone else with some shade or anticipating someone else's need is so good. And we're, we all, there is no other time I could think of like this pandemic where our relationships with one another in the biggest, broadest sense is meaningful. 
it's meaningful when it comes to climate change. It's meaningful when we comes to um, things like food supplies and healthcare and stuff, how our relationship with one another matters. But I don't think anything's mattered more than how well we take care of our personal health and how well we care about other people's personal health. So that's a big reason why emotional intelligence is important. It will help you with your social intelligence and help you balance and, and recognize others in the greater sense of things. Okay, sounds a little preachy, but what does this really mean? Well, if we dig in, it's, I, I think it's really important. I did a podcast, uh, uh, maybe it was just a week ago, a couple weeks ago, on the importance of how to come back to, into business during the pandemic, how to be aware of your customers and think like your customers, and how to convey both verbally and non-verbally your values around the pandemic. Well, it's essentially the same sort of idea. So if you watched or listened to that podcast and you are here now saying, yeah, I get it. You make sense. How you relate to your customers is going to matter. It absolutely does. And emotional intelligence is a really good way to internalize, to make it part of who you are, uh, that as a core business value. So if you can make this who you are, not just a tactic you're taking in opening your business, not just a bunch of exercises you're doing, but you're actually going to become this person, you're going to change. And, and again, I, I've learned so much from coaching because I used to talk about this all the time in marketing, but now I really understand the value from a coaching perspective where you do have to work on these things. You have to be aware of your own behavior. You have to have intention in how you move forward. And that's the idea behind emotional intelligence. It's something you can learn and then be, it becomes part of you. And it's going to be so critical for small business, for independents and gig workers, and for caregivers and helpers because our relationships are everything. And that is, and that's the same for, I don't care how high you score. Um, scale the business. When businesses start to struggle, it's when big business struggles, it's when they forget that they have customers and their relationships with their customers matter, which is really interesting. I have a couple examples coming up of where some big businesses really blew it. And, um, and it's because I think they forgot about their workers and their customers. And I, 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 apologize. I meant to also stress your employees as part of this mix because they are so core to who your business is and your brand. Your employees are the manifestation of it, right? We all know this. This is simple stuff, but it's easy to forget about them when you're so worried about your customers. So don't forget your employees. So let's talk about emotional intelligence because there's really five uh, ingredients to what makes up emotional intelligence. And this psychologist went at this and he's the one that really publicized it. I believe his name is Donald Goldman. Anyway, he went out and got everybody fired up about emotional intelligence. It was a while back, but it hasn't left because it's still super, super important. The first component, of course, is self-awareness. So that's this idea of, I know how I feel. I know how I'm doing. I'm going to manage myself. Or if I'm having a bad day, I'm going to withdraw myself. I am not going to make everybody else have to interpret my um, interpret how I'm behaving. I'm going to be self-aware and I'm going to manage my own feelings and my own behaviors. They give a cup in this um, article, they give a couple examples of how you might want to take a look at this. And I'm looking for the credit for the article because it should be up here, but I don't see it. So I'll have to add that in. But the, um, oh, here it is. There it is. The emotional intelligence, uh, it's from emotional intelligence and leadership from us 
um, website called Mind Tools. Really good article. So go to Mind Tools and then look up emotional intelligence. They talk a lot about it in terms of leadership, but I happen to think all of us are leading all the time. So I don't. I, this idea of leaders only—it's not exclusive. It's everybody is a leader, whether it's in your home or with your friends or at work or wherever. There are opportunities for you to lead. So don't get hung up on the idea of leadership. But what this really means is if you want to improve your self-awareness, the ways you could do that, they suggest, is to keep a journal. So that may or may not be how you roll. But remember, a journal doesn't mean you have to buy a leather-bound book and write down all the things. A journal can be a daily calendar where you just make a few notes. How is my mood? What happened today? Good news. Um, it's always a good idea to write down a few things for which you are grateful or which you are pleased so that you can go back and say, yeah, good things happened. The other is to another way to have self-awareness, which is ironic since I talk so fast, is to slow down. This is why you hear people talking about meditating or a walk or just managing your breath for a few minutes, taking that moment to tune in and then be present. And then you can be aware of what you're feeling. So often we get feelings, especially if you're moving fast, anxiety, hunger, um, panic, uh, excitement. They all kind of feel the same. And you have no idea what's going on. And so some people eat, some people shout, some people freak out and have to go to the bathroom. Like all kinds of weird things happen, but they just know they're having that feeling. And a lot of those feelings are very similar. So it's really important to slow down, maybe watch your breath for a few minutes and figure out what is going on. In the perfect world, you are just hungry, but you might be having some anxiety or some panic or some excitement. And you need to know what that is so you can act on it appropriately. Okay, the next is self-regulation. So this is such a nice corollary to self-awareness. This means that you are able to manage your feelings. This is a big deal. And I picked this picture because I think that I liked that it was um, a brainstorming. Clearly people were talking about what the people needed to be. And this is actually a military photo, which is interesting to me that the people is the photo that's um, the image that's featured here. But this idea of, it is possible to listen without agreeing. That's a huge one. Listen to what I just said again. You can listen without agreeing. Just that can transform your relationships because so often people just want to be heard. You don't have to have a reaction. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to say that's stupid. No, self-regulation. Listening doesn't mean you agree is like to me the epitome of self-regulation. If you can manage that kind of freedom where people can have ideas and people can say things and you aren't going to go off, you aren't going to react, you aren't going to judge or decide, that is huge in terms of self-regulation. Stay in control. Now, sure, sometimes you're going to have your feelings are going to be stronger than normal. But even then, if you have those feelings, make sure you're authentic and own them. And that will help compensate for your losing your self-regulation. Because suddenly you're back to being self-aware and saying, I'm just feeling really angry right now because this happened. That's authentic. That's legit. But in general, self-regulation is really important. And it's, it's such a gift to the people who work with you that they're able to bring anything to you and know that you're not going to lose it. The next thing is motivation and nothing. This is a chocolatier. Oh. Making his chocolates just perfect 
And motivation is what you will do and how you function when it doesn't require you to, um, you don't, when somebody's not yelling at you to get it done. Motivation comes internally, right? Good motivation. The best kind of motivation is internal motivation. And most leaders, most people who are achieving are self-motivated. That's me making this podcast every day. There's no reason to do it other than I'm really motivated to, to do it and to share information and to get good guests on. That's self-motivation. And that tends to let then lend to high quality standards for their work, commitment, um, thoroughness, the, all those things that you would want your team to do, you're absolutely modeling. So some ways you could figure out how your motivation is going. You could re-examine why you're doing what you're doing. This often leads to people making career choice changes, career changes, because they realize I'm in doing something I can't stand doing. That's a good reason. It could be affecting your emotional intelligence. You're just in the wrong job or you're doing something you hate. So it's really um, re-examine what you're doing. You know where you stand. Like, am I good at this? Am I leading? Am I following? Am I providing a vision and direction to the folks that I am responsible for leading? Again, it could be your family, your friends, your church, wherever, wherever you have that influence. Examine and know where you stand and how and why you are doing what you're doing. That's really important. Again, it kind of leads to self-awareness, right? And then be hopeful and find something good. So in coaching terms, did a um, my first podcast for Life Coach Pod was on energy levels. And we talk about energy levels because they're so important to how you come into solving a problem or um, living your life. And one of the things that the research has found is if you are really managing yourself at a higher energy level, you absolutely have a higher level of life satisfaction. So this is very similar here in terms of your motivation. If you're coming at, if you're if you're coming at your work with a really negative attitude or a low energy level, and we would call it an unproductive level, then it's going to impact your work, right? But if you're coming in with a very productive level, and this remember, this is about being hopeful and finding the good, if you're coming at it with that level of energy that's very productive, you could discover and innovate and change things and your motivation will absolutely shift. So think about how it is that you are doing what you're doing and what motivates you. If you're just motivated by money, that might not be enough. You're going to have to figure that out. And then the, um, which, which number are we on? The, the fourth uh, item is empathy. I love I love this photograph of just a woman who she's a, um, I think she's one of the doctors on duty, uh, doctors, what is it called? Doctors without borders people. Doctors on duty was a healthcare clinic in Santa Cruz. Doctors without borders people who just swooped up a child who clearly needed a hug. That's what empathy is. It's understanding the needs of someone else. So for leaders, having empathy is so critical. But again, Imagine yourself in any role that you're a leader. The minute you're in a position where you might be above or in charge of or responsible for someone else, your ability to understand what they're feeling is gold, pure gold. Because if you're able to understand them, you will be rewarded with loyalty, uh, fidelity, with um, happiness, with people following you and listening to you. It's one of those things where people, again, I said they want to be seen and understood. Once you understand them, that, that brings them closer to you. So 
really important to work on your empathy. And some of the suggestions that the article makes was to put yourself in someone else's position. So we all know that, you know, walk a mile in my shoes, however you want to see that. But what would it be like if I were them? It's, it's actually a classic coaching technique as we say, now let's switch roles. What if you had, let's play the person you have to tell the bad news to. Let's play the person you have to fire. Whatever that is, let's work that out in a role play. So put yourself in someone else's position. Pay attention to body language. If you don't know a lot about body language, um, you can go educate yourself. I know some folks just not their skill. They don't pick up on those clues. They don't, they don't read the room as they say, but you can go literally learn it and memorize some of the clues. You learn things just like watching someone's agitation, seeing if someone mirrors you when they're talking. I talk with my hands all the time, there's body language. But you can tell when somebody's mirroring you, that means you're in rapport, that's a good thing. We study this in communications because it's important. But you literally can go learn about body language. So do that if that's something you're not good at and, it needs, and you need help. And then you need to respond to feelings. So this one doesn't go over so well with a lot of people because they don't know how to do it. But the, I'm going to tell you that it's not that hard. You may not know what to say, but all you have to do is name it. You can just say, it looks like you're feeling sad. Are you feeling sad? That's it. You're absolutely validating them in that moment. If they are, they'll say, no, it's not sad. And then you could say, tell me more than about how you're feeling. There you go. You've just opened the door. Always seek to understand. You don't have to do the work for them. You don't have to name it for them. You can absolutely ask the person or people what's going on. If you were to walk into a room and see half your team sitting there and they look guilty like you just busted them, I would probably sit down and say, well, what's going on, guys? What are we talking about? And see if anybody would flinch. And then if they didn't, I would say, well, what I saw on your faces when I walked in. And it is so powerful to name the behavior. It's, it's absolutely so powerful to name the behavior because once it really works well when somebody's angry. But once you name the behavior, the other person suddenly has to take responsibility for it. So if somebody's yelling at you and say, you seem so angry, why are you so angry? Named the behavior and suddenly they're not on their rant about you didn't give me back my change properly, but they're like, why am I so angry? It doesn't work 100% of the time, but it works very, very often. And people instantly have to check in. You've made them self-aware. And that is a powerful moment. So that's, that's big in terms of empathy is being able to respond to feelings or name them. And then the last thing is that emotional intelligence also includes your social skills. So of course, um, again, here's a good example of a leader is a basketball coach, right? There are the girls, they're ready to go play basketball. The coach is out talking to them. She's a leader because she's the coach, but these girls very likely respect her because she is a great leader. And great leaders are open to hearing the bad news and the good news. Oh my God, good leaders really do want to hear the bad news. They want to be prepared. They don't want to be caught off guard. Nobody wants to be caught off guard. If you're running a business and you're all out of shampoo and nobody tells you, oh, you need to know. So even if it's bad news, we're out. Okay, now let's solve the problem. What are we going to do? Oh, somebody run to the store, somebody go get some from the car, whatever that is. But you've got to know the good news and the bad news. You also have to be able to get people motivated about how to start something new or how to pivot. And that is key right now. We are doing things like we haven't done them before. So it is 
really important to motivate folks and to encourage innovation and resilience and change and ideas and be open to hearing them, not shutting them down because you think you have the only right way. No offense, but I just know you're, you don't have all the right answers. I mean, collaboration is so powerful. Let people collaborate with you. And that's it, just it. That's some more of these social skills, resolving conflict, um, don't leave things as they are. Don't sit back and make everyone else do the work. You're in it. If you are in it, if you are involved, if people see that you're taking as, um, taking the role of leading, whatever that means, again, whatever that is on the spectrum of leadership, but if you're taking responsibility, it encourages others. And it's a very good social skill to have that kind of compassion and leadership that can connect with people that way. So some skills you might wanna work on, uh, conflict resolution. If you know how to do negotiating, I actually went to mediator school, good education there. Those are skills you can learn on how to do conflict resolution. Remember, there's win-lose, win, what is it? Win-lose, win-win, and then there's the third one, which is kind of a win-win-win, which everybody involved can win. There's a lot of ways to go at problem solving, and it doesn't have to be where somebody else loses. So look at conflict resolution, improve your communication skills, you might think that you talk a lot. Now, I talk a lot, you don't talk a lot. You might need to talk more, or you might need to say things that are more important, or you might need to say less about things that aren't important. It's up to you to go look at what your communication skills are and then get some feedback. That's the first step in communication skills is being willing to accept feedback. Not criticism, it's just feedback. Take it or leave it, but at least be open to hearing it. And then finally, so important, and I think this is incredibly vital during this pandemic, which is to learn how to praise others. This isn't fake. Do not think you could go around and say fake crap. You have to be genuine and you have to observe people winning. So you observe people doing great positive things. You just see somebody do, deliver some incredible customer care. Acknowledge that. But acknowledge how they did it as being the good thing. Like I saw what you did there, you listened to that customer, you de-escalated the situation and you provided them with three alternatives. Wow, you just noticed your employee completely winning. I saw what you did there, you just went and re-delivered that package when the owner was such a pain in the butt and didn't get you the information you needed. You took it upon your own on the way home from work last night to deliver that package and you going that extra mile makes my company look good and I could not be more grateful there is recognizing and praising others. So keep that in mind. Notice people winning. That's kind of how I think of it. Notice people doing good. It matters. And when you notice it and tell them, it's, it's almost worth more than money. I hate to say it, but it is because we as humans really, val really feel valued when we are seen. Okay, so what have big businesses been doing? Have they been making any mistakes during this pandemic time? Oh, you know they have. Now, these are big, big companies, but in some ways, it's almost more horrible because they've invested millions, if not billions, into their brands. They've got bricks and mortar places set up everywhere. They want customers. I mean, that's what their whole business relies on. And yet, oh my God, the mistakes. So the first one I'll pull up is Disney. And the reason Disney is getting, and this is all from The Grit. You'll see I've got the, um, the credit there from The Grit Daily. What Disney did is that they, it's what Disney didn't do, actually. Disney did not 
want to close the parks. So they kept those parks open to the last possible moment. And the unfortunate part, and I have it here in the notes, is that when they did this, one of the things that tourists typically do, especially in, in, um, in California, is they'd come in and they go to Disneyland right away. It's like one of those bucket list things, right? Go to Disneyland. Except because they did that, several park guests reported falling ill of the, of both, from both facilities, both in California and in Florida, because they went to the parks and they got COVID at the park. So from the brand that all they care about is people, right? The happiest place on earth. They were really slow to respond. I've also heard stories about how they're treating the cast members. I know there's been controversy and um, the Disney family member who's still alive, the original, one of the um, Walt's children, she is no longer affiliated with the Disney brand, but she often will comment and was really disappointed with how cast members were treated as well. So there is a good example of a huge brand that really goofed up. The next one is Hobby Lobby. I personally do not care for this brand at all. They have done terrible things. They've done terrible, terrible things, including stealing antiquities from um, indigenous people in other parts of the world, which I, I can't even, I barely have words for it. It's so awful to do something like that. But more importantly, Hobby Lobby did not, does not want to, ex um, hasn't wanted, I guess they've been forced to in many communities, but didn't want to close their stores. Just no just no. And the problem is that what that communicated is, is they gave no you-know-whats about their employees. And so, um, again, this, this little blurb talks about that they've had a ton of bad publicity, but this last thing is that they urged employees to work despite the shutdowns that was all over the U.S., and many locations had to be closed by the police department because they would not tell their staff that it was okay to stay home, which if you don't care about your staff, why am I going to care about your store? I, I cannot understand, honestly, at this point, with how many folks Hobby Lobby have actually harmed, including their, their policies on um, equality and gay rights. Like this, this company has done nothing but throw themselves in the face of all decency. And, and even when it came down to the pandemic, they did not protect their employees. It's really, really, really sad. And then one other example is from a company called Landry's, which actually owns like the Rainforest Cafe and other restaurants uh, that probably some of us have been to before. What they did is they had the employees come in and clean the restaurants top to bottom, decoded the restaurants, and then they laid them off. You wanna tank your brand? burn all of your employees at once like that. Come in and make them work their butts off thinking that what we're going to do here is preserve our jobs and then lay them off. Effective immediately is when that happened. Those employees are going to talk about you for a long time. And as I talked about in the small business podcast, losing a customer is so much more expensive. It's so much is it's so expensive because acquiring customers is so expensive so you don't want to lose customers oh i know what it was in the negative word of mouth can also be so much more powerful than positive word of mouth so it's just so dumb okay so 
there is a business case for emotional intelligence. If you, have, if you don't believe me by now that how important this is, there are some statistics I was able to pull from this workforce article. One is that emotional intelligence is responsible for 58% of performance in all jobs, but 90% of the top performers have high EQ. There are, I think there are online tests you can take for this, but if you look at that, it, it is, 90% of top performers, 90% have high EQ. You want this trait, you want this skill. They did one study, this, um, there was a study done on the EQ and the bottom line, and they pulled out this one statistic about restaurant owners. Restaurants managed by managers with high emotional intelligence showed an annual profit growth, so profit growth of 22% versus 15% with the, for those restaurants that did not have high EQ. So it absolutely contributes to your profitability and to your, and to your growth. I'm gonna, I, I'm sure I could talk all day about why that probably is, but that's when you really are seeing your customers, seeing your employees and delivering real value to your team. And then finally, people with high EQ scores make on the average $29,000 more per year than their lower EQ um, counterparts. And really what that's saying to me is that you are bringing so much more value to the organization. If you're able to deliver and, be, and have a strong EQ, you are somebody the company can rely on. So you are gonna get promoted, you are gonna get hired, you're gonna get noticed because you have the ability to move, to lead people, to move people and to make people feel good when they're around you. And that's powerful. So what are the next steps if you're thinking about this relative to your business? Like anything, you need to start with yourself first. So go find an emotional intelligence test online, go read a book, read some of these articles, figure out, ask some people, how am I? What, what do you think on these five traits? Do I have these? Am I demonstrating them? You know where you land on these things. You know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And if you don't, then you are gonna need to ask some people, but start with yourself first and figure out how well you do, because you're gonna need to model it. The next thing is to identify with your influencers. So generally, in life, there are people that you are friends with or that you count on that I consider to be your influencers. They go out and also tell your story for you. They um, will be your advocate. They will witness for you if you, you know, like, oh my God, my friend, she's so blah, blah, blah. They, they're the first person to tell the story. So figure out who your influencers are. In your business, there's gonna be your key employees who get it, who understand what's going on, who see what you're trying to do here with your business, maybe want to um, copy you one day because they love how you're running your business, but figure out who your influencers are and then get them going on emotional intelligence as well. <clears throat> the reason why you're going to want more than just you, right? You're going to want to have this start to, um, I don't want to say pyramid effect, but you really do want to build on this so that others start to learn this. And then you're going to train your team. So you have your influencers and then anybody on your team, you might be training your household, whatever that team is you're leading. Um, but you want to train them and make them aware of these things. So you'll do that by noticing when they do a good job. You'll do that by telling them that it would be better next time if you did this. You're coaching, you're guiding, you're mentoring, but you are training your team along the way. And you could do that formally or you can do that informally. But whatever that is, make sure that you get that word out that this is an important value for how you're running your business. And then the big one that is so important, acknowledge the great behavior, 
have patience, have empathy. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, acknowledge patience, acknowledge empathy, acknowledge creative problem solving and acknowledge innovation. I, the reason I was thinking about you have patience is that you're going to have to really tune in. This is a, if this is a change for you, if you're, if you're learning this new behavior, it means you're going to have to notice things you're not used to noticing. And it means you're going to have to shh, be quiet when you may not have been quiet before so that you can actually see some of these things happening. Um, it's such an allegory to me watching my little birds outside because when I'm most quiet watching them is when I'm learning the most about them, even just how they're learning to use their wings, right? I'm starting to see them flap and preen. It's very exciting. But you have to be quiet and observe. And we are in such a good time right now as things are changing. We're going to do this slowly. So it's a good time to be quiet and observe as you're changing and as you're noticing the great behaviors of those around you. And then remember, don't give up. It, like everything, I swear to God, it's the hardest thing you learn. And you don't really get it till you're older. When you're younger, you don't get how much of this is a journey and not a destination. You think you're always supposed to get there. I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to get married. I'm supposed to have kids. I'm supposed to get a house. I'm supposed to get a job. Those all feel like these. And once you, somebody once taught me, getting married is easy. Anybody can get married. Being married, the journey, is really hard. And it's true. And that's, and that's really the point here, right? This is the journey. This is you evolving your approach to business. This is you doing something differently than you've ever done before. That's the journey. It's literally the fun part, but you kind of sometimes don't know that until you have a little bit of age to have that perspective. But the journey is the fun part. Destinations are easy. You can go do stuff and say, and check a list, but can you say how well you did it or who you kept with you along the way or those relationships that you have that mean everything or your reputation, which is worth everything as well. So remember, it's a journey, not a destination. You've got time to get there and there are lots of resources for help. So always reach out. This is what coaches do. This is what marketing consultants do. There's so many ways you can get help if it's something you want to work on for yourself. Okay, that's today's Monday motivation. I'm super excited about how businesses might evolve. If you want to talk to me, join me on Twitter at jcarroll. Um, I'm also talking a little bit about some stuff that's breaking news on the murder front. If you know, um, I'm part of the Golden State Killer case and the new HBO Special is going to um, finally got a date, a drop date of June 28th, which is a big deal. So I'm talking about that on Twitter too. Come on over there, or you can visit the lawyer's daughter and take and take a listen to what I'm doing on that podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming today, and I'll see you next time. 